Heritage Media. When you think of jobs in real estate, you think of sales agents and property managers, and you don't often think about creative roles such as production and video. But our next guest is none other than Kieran Christie. If the name sounds familiar, that's because she's the producer of this podcast and the videographer for Wisebury Real Estate. The reason I've asked Kieran to jump into the podcast seat and talk to her is because having a career on the Central Coast as a producer and a videographer is a little bit special. And I wanted to talk to Kieran about it and give you some behind the scenes info. Here's Kieran. Hello. Good morning. You have no idea what I'm about to ask you, do you? Not at all. What's it like being on the other side? Oh, it's a bit weird. (laughs) Didn't think I'd be on the other side of the microphone. No, but I've dragged you here anyway. Yeah. So, welcome. G'day. Tell me what a videographer is. So a videographer is uh, basically the person on a creative team who shoots all the video, plans it, storyboards it. I storyboard in my head because I'm a bit special like that. (laughs) Um, And basically writes content. I guess I kind of don't see myself just as a videographer. I see myself more as a content creator because I do podcasts and I do animations and I do video and I fly drones, so... Well, I've got all these questions to ask you. So you're also a producer. So what does a producer do? So producing can entail a lot of things. I guess um, it really depends on the context. In terms of, like, this podcast, I help make sure that everything's running and everything gets recorded and everything's recorded well and then doing keyword research after everything's been written as well as uploading it. So in other situations, so when I was working in television and short films, you kind of have a more in-depth role where you are doing OH&S checks and you're going out location scouting, you're looking for sponsors for money for shows and stuff like that. So it's a bit more low-key here, which is nice. It's nice. I can really focus on making the podcast really good and I can focus on making my videos really good because I'm not out and about making sure that nobody's going to break their ankle in a hole or something like that. (laughs) Which we've done in the past. So I'm going to jump back to Channel 9 in a minute, but let's backtrack all the way to uni days. What did you actually study at uni and where did you study? So I studied at the University of Newcastle. Um, I studied a Bachelor of Communication majoring in media production and then I also did my honours as well, which was a year, well, actually two years of research-based study. So, yeah, that was fun. And I imagine in a communications degree you're doing a a whole heap of everything. Mm -hmm. Was there one thing that was sort of drawing you? Yeah, um, I guess since I was a kid I was always really into, like, editing videos. I'm not very good at reading, so when I was a kid, if it was, like, there was an essay that I had to do or something like that, I'd kind of go to the teacher and be like, can I make a video for this instead? Like, and they'd just be like, okay. (laughs) And then I'd make it and they'd be like, oh, cool, you understand what we're doing and that was a really nice video, so good job. So I'd always be, like, jumping at any – jumping like, chomping at the bit, like, let me make make a video. I want to edit a video or something. Yeah. So, yeah, when I was at uni, I really focused on editing. But 
you kind of have to know how to do everything. So you, while I did love editing, I did have to learn how to shoot. I had to learn how to animate. I had to learn how to produce, like, you know, because it's really hard to get a job as just an editor. Yeah, unless it's a big, big company that's got all the other things, but mm-hmm. there's not many of those big companies anymore. No, not yeah. Really. And growing up with obviously digital, you were sort of, growing up at the cusp of when digital media was becoming massive. Mm. Um, Did you find that an advantage being younger and sort of growing up with it as opposed to having to learn it when you'd already done a lot of, you know, people had done a lot of print and newspapers and all of a sudden it's videos and it's web and it's. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, with a lot of like editing programs and cameras the operating system is really similar so knowing how to use it from a really young age is really advantageous because like uh, the amount of workplaces where I've walked in and they've gone oh we don't use that we use this like and you kind of have to go yes I know how to use that and then you just (laughs) bluff your way through it but luckily they're all really similar so yeah or you google it out yeah exactly (laughs) love google (laughs) and tell me about your role at channel nine what were you doing there So I was hired first as a, they they call it a predator, which is a bit creepy, but it's a producer editor. (laughs) (laughs) So they smush it together and you call it a predator, um, which is you basically help plan the production and then you edit it. So I was editing um, local TV shows. There was one show called Location Lifestyle Living, which was um, about home styling and Mm -hmm. real estate. Um, I also worked on a lot of live television production. So the NRL, the QRL, which is the Queensland Rugby League. Um, I also worked on um, a lot of mm, like long form production, which is like television shows that go for over an hour. So like the Gold Coast Marathon, I think that was like ended up showing in like 40 million homes or something like that. Wow. So what's it like editing and producing live tv is that stressful oh it's so stressful (laughs) like we you you would sweat the whole time like but I was really lucky I had a lot of people who taught me like they took me under their wing and they were like hey like this is all you have to do don't sweat it and I think um I learned one thing like that they would always say is it's just tv nobody's gonna die so like if you make a mistake nobody's going to die. We're no. Not. So if you made a mistake... It's not just, heart surgery. No, exactly. So just like if... And I've made mistakes on live TV before, but they were just like, hey, don't worry about it. Like stuff like that happens. You blink and matter. you miss it and you move on and... Exactly. Nobody's going to be talking about that. Like they're watching the grand final. Like they don't care about you made a little mistake on yeah. it. So what? what's an example of a little mistake when you're filming a football live football game? Um, so... For example, so I was I mainly did like the live action replays. So you know, whenever somebody scores a try, and then they're like, "Oh, let's look at that again." That I was one of the people replaying the try. So you basically have like a big setup, and you rewind the tape, and then you play it again. Right. So and it's really high pressure, like because you have four cameras that you're looking after yourself. So you have four cameras that you have to watch and find the best angle and replay it within a few seconds and you normally have to play back multiple cameras back to back off each other um and then you also have two other people 
in there who are also doing it. So you, there's somebody in your ear yelling, camera one, camera two, camera three, camera four, like Alpha, Delta, Bravo, Charlie, and you're just there like, oh, my God. <laughs> so there's been times where I've said, I've, like, gone, oh, roll Charlie. So, like, camera Charlie, yep, I've got yep. that one. And I rolled Delta, like, so <laughs> it's been the wrong angle. And yeah, It's a picture of the Charlie. crowd. <laughs> yeah, one time I was working on a surf event, like a live surf event, and I accidentally played the replay backwards. So <laughs> nobody died. It was fine. <laughs> and that is special effects, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I want to know what – well, you've spoke a little bit about your role here, but what is in actually involved in, say, just something like a property video? What's involved from the moment you leave, you go to the address, and then what? What do you do? So basically I walk through the house, I turn on all of the lights and I kind of see what I'm working with. Then I go through and I tidy up normally because there's normal, like I guess um, I don't have the advantage if there is something really outrageously bad, I can't edit it out. Like it kind of There's no Photoshop for video. No. And I mean there is but like the high turnover with this role it's not possible to do that. Like I know how to, you know, superimpose things and can take things out. But when houses are selling so quickly, you kind of, it's, it is what it is. Um, and yeah, so I go through the house, I tidy up and um, then, yeah, I set up my gimbal. And So what's a gimbal? So a gimbal is um, a piece of equipment that stabilises the camera. So you hold it in your hand and you can... Tilt it, you can swivel it, you can walk with it and it'll keep it nice and smooth. So that's what I use to get all my cool moving shots. Um, And yeah, so I go through the house and do that, um, which is just basically like all of the wide angle stuff. Then I get my other camera and um, I put my 50mm lens on it and I get some close-ups to kind of show the details of the house and the styling. And then I go through and I fly my drone. So yeah, it takes about two hours. So you fly your drone up and you show the location of the house, whether it's to the mountains, the lake or the beach? Yeah, and the size of the block and if it's got dual occupancy, that kind of stuff. And then from there, you also take stills from the drone, is that correct? Yes, yep, yep. take some stills so we can put it on realestate.com. And then tell me about B-roll. B-roll, so B-roll is like the extra footage. So like, you know, you have... um, I don't know, I'm going to have to like make an analogy. So like you have like um, your chips, which is like your regular footage. So that's like either like people being interviewed or shot just regular shots of the house. And B-roll is like the source you put on top because it makes it just a little bit better because you see extra details, you see close-ups, you can see like, yeah. So if you live in like a little, you know, a little town, it might be the close-up of the, the pie shop or yeah. the – the seagull flying past or mm. so it breaks up the video I guess doesn't yeah it, and it breaks up the video and kind of um gives it a mood or a feel I guess so you come back you've got two hours worth of video mm. and drone and what do you do so I create my project load it all up and then I start um sorting the footage into rooms and then I do my rough cut which is basically just so sorry go yeah. back rooms <laughs> yeah as in kitchen, yeah, kitchen dining room, dining room bathroom. actual rooms. It's yeah. not a sexy term for something. Yeah, no, it's not a sexy term for anything. <laughs> it's just so, hey, here's my kitchen. So I've got all my kitchen close-ups and my kitchen wide shots like, and put them all in a folder. 
to make it a bit easier so I don't like have to spend ages scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Like, all that little stuff kind of makes the process faster and that's stuff that I've learnt over the years to kind of be able to have quick turnarounds. So, so you've got all your rooms. Yep. And then what? Then I do a rough cut. So that's kind of like the draft, the first draft that you would do. So you just plonk bits in? Yep. And figure out what order you want to go in. Because um, even though it's just a house, you are still telling a story. Mm. I think that's the big thing. Like you want to make the person watching feel like they're going through the house and not just looking at a slideshow. Like you want to get rid of the slideshow feel. You want to, yep. yeah. Um, then after that, I do a fine cut. So you put the music underneath and you tidy up your shots, make sure there's no weird stuff. Um, I stabilise the shots. So I stabilise what was stabilised with the gimbal. Yep. <laughs> and then um, I do a colour grade, which is basically making all the cameras and all the rooms look as similar as possible in terms of lighting and colour. Okay. So and then you chop your music in and you, your graphics, whether it's an address or mm. something you want people to know, the logo. How do you... Because you see some videos and it's just effort, effortless. Like <clears> as the music or the beat or the tempo picks up, the images change in time. I know that's very deliberate. Is mm. that hard to do? Um, I think it comes with a lot of practice. Um, it's I guess like this was what I spent my year of research at uni focusing on. Um, when a person edits the the choices that they make are very deliberate but they're also kind of intuitive so it comes from what you've learnt over the years and it kind of just is gut feeling like yep that's good that's good that's good that's good and you kind of just get into like a flow and a Mm -hmm. rhythm and then it's there and then you show everybody to make sure that your gut feeling was right you know. So you've gone and you've driven to the house you've been there two hours you've come back if you didn't have one interruption, one email, one phone call, how long would it take you to edit that into a, what are we talking, a, a minute video? Minute yeah, 30? minute, minute 30. Um, it really depends on the house, like in how much, like it's it's on a house-to-house basis. So if it was like a little townhouse with not a lot of stuff going on, I could make it stretch out to a minute and that would probably only take me like a couple of hours. If we wanted to go in really in-depth where I go out and I've shot like, you know, the town around the house and the suburb and heaps of detail that'll probably take me about four hours so yeah right yeah so whether it's a beach house or it's a big acreage there's obviously the fields and the drone and the pool and the six garages and the Mm. horses and the so they take about four or five hours to cut to a minute yeah if it if you want it to be like 100 chef kisses wow that was like a really good video sensational video with like lots of effects and so essentially one minute and a half video is a day's work. Pretty much, yeah. If there was no other interruptions and it's just that. Yeah. So how many videos are you turning around a week? Not just house, but... Oh, my gosh. Um, On Friday alone, I cut five videos. (laughs) There's not enough hours in the day for you to do that. Yeah, I just... um, I guess that was the question when Megan (laughs) and Darren hired me. They're like, how fast are you? And I was like, I can be very fast. (laughs) So I want to... Just jump back as well because it's not just house videos that you do. You do, we call them sort of culture videos. There's testimonials. There's, yeah. So tell tell me what else are you, what are you filming and what are you shooting? So I'm shooting 
our community events, what we get up to around the office, um, videos for holidays, like Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, stuff like that. Do the podcast. We're coming back to podcast. <laughs> so is there a – what's your favourite thing to do? What What's a fun project? What do you really love doing? I love doing like the community-based type stuff, I guess because it kind of reminds me of like working in TV and I can kind of plan it like it was in – like I kind of plan it in the way that I would plan a segment on a TV show. Mm-hmm. And then it just – yeah, it's, it's nice to put that type of story together. Yeah. Mm. And tell me about the background music in a video. Yeah. So are there particular laws around copyright? Can you play a song that's – is it over 50 years old or can you play it for a new song for five seconds without infringing what, – what are some of the rules around music in the video? So there's Creative Commons, which is like music that you can use and you don't have to pay for it and anybody can use it. Like Happy Birthday is mm-hmm. in Creative Commons. Like that's everybody's yep. song. Um, it wasn't for a while. It was actually copyrighted for a while, which is pretty funny. Imagine being charged for singing Happy Birthday to you. T-Mom. T-Mom, yeah. <laughs> um, it's 42 cents. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's royalty-free music and then, you, you know, there's things like opera that's in place for people, people's music that are, like, you know, on the radio and stuff like that. And can you play that for three or four seconds, not not even? No. Well, like, you probably could get away with it, but, like, at the end of the day, is it worth it? Like, no. <laughs> so, no. yeah, it's uh, yeah, a face, like, you know, the internet's gotten really good. It doesn't like, take long though, does it? You can put a video together with a common song mm-hmm. and within minutes, minutes, yeah, you're well, told. So like on YouTube, the way it works is there's people that get paid like to the third party. They get paid to go through videos basically and flag it to YouTube and then the big big boys with all the money go, hey, that's mine. I want that 32 cents out, dare you. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> and then on Facebook they've got AI basically that – We'll flag it immediately. Yeah. So it gets pulled. Yeah. Or the sound gets pulled, but the video doesn't. Yeah. So Facebook is a bit like YouTube kind of goes, hey, that wasn't nice. Like, don't do that. And you get to keep your video up there, but you can't make money off it. Like, but at least you still have sound. But Facebook goes the next level and just goes, no sound for you. And then you're like, oh, great. (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg's (laughs) listening to all of our videos. (laughs) (laughs) Decides to pull them. Um, And... I just want to also talk to you about the podcasting and how you got into podcasting and, you know, when you think of podcasting, you think of really big shows and big productions and you don't really think about a little studio here on the Central Coast podcasting. How did you get into that? Um, so when I worked in TV and and many of my other jobs as well because I've done all sorts of things, um, audio recording was always a big part of it. Um, so... It's basically what we would do for voiceover, but there's no video for it. Which is good. You don't have to do your hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we sit here, you're usually in your, you are usually, sorry, in the um, producing chair over here and you sit here and listen to me and the guest ramble on for sort of 45 minutes and there could be swearing or coughing or sneezing or interruptions. Mm -hmm. Um. How do you edit a 45 – like how do you know what to cut and what to keep? Because sometimes you think, oh, that's rubbish and yeah. we'll cut that, but you turn it into 
part of the podcast, which yeah. is really clever. And how do you know what's gold and what's not gold? Well, I guess the part of the reason why I sit at the end of the table like a bit of a weirdo is like I I um will time it and make notes on the timestamps of kind of like, oh, that person coughed there, I'm going to cut the cough out. Or, you know, somebody was stomping on the roof, I'm going to cut that out. Which happened last yeah. week. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff that I make note of. Um, and I guess the the main thing that when I'm listening to people, like it's a conversation and that's kind of how I, that's my benchmark. Like, and I kind of draw off of other podcasts that I've listened to and thought, what's the selling point? Like we always talk about, what is it, USPs? Yeah, unique selling point. Yeah, in real estate. And I guess the USP for any podcast is the personality of the people that are on it because nobody can replicate that and nobody can be you better than you can be you. So why not capitalise on that and make it part of the show? And you make it sound like a conversation that when you're sitting in your car driving, you're yeah. sitting there part of that conversation. Yeah. Um, so you get it down to 20 or 30 minutes and you cut it. In, is that the same very much like video editing as far as chopping it? and? Yeah. Uh, it's a bit more tedious because you do have to listen to it because like <laughs> with video – you use your eyes and you go, oh, yep, 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 like that looks good, that doesn't look good. Um, you can kind of, even with an interview, you, you can scrub through it and go, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for. But with audio, you have to sit there and you have to listen to all of it over again. So when someone answers a question that goes on for 12 minutes mm. and you need it to be two minutes, how do you know what's important? What do you keep? What do you cut? You just think about what was the question? Did they answer the question in the first 30 seconds? And then you just go, yep, cool. Gone. Yep, and then it's on the cutting room floor and it's gone. <laughs> gone forever. Yeah. And I want to know, so if you're a young kid kicking around here at school and you're right into your video production and you're into editing and filming and stop motion, and where would you go? Where would you turn for either some work experience or to find out more about a role and gaining some hands-on stuff? How would you... Where so would you go? When I was a kid, um, like I said, I did a lot of making random videos, but that actually like added to my portfolio. So when I did turn around and be like, I want to get some work experience, I had like all these videos. I can be like, look at all these videos I made. Like I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm really interested in it. So I think that's really advantageous to be able to do that. I'd say if you are interested in it, just start making stuff first of all. But the best places to kind of look is look for a freelancer especially on the coast if you're in sydney or if you're in newcastle it's a bit easier to find a bigger production company i'd find a freelancer and be like hey do you want to be do you want a camera assistant do you want like some help on whenever you go out um or a wedding company as well like and just it's ba like basically learn the basics from those people and mm -hmm. follow them around that would be where i'd start and if you are you know 15 16 17 you can't afford good equipment no. and great subscriptions to really good editing programs. And so what do you what did you use when you were doing that? You obviously had a, a good a decent camera that you got. Um, well, back when I used to use my mum's like it was like an old camera that was like one of those camcorders. I started off using one of those and you could up like run a cord into the computer and upload it on that. And then I would also like draw animations on paint and put it into Windows Movie Maker frame by frame, yep. <laughs> like Disney style. Yeah. So, and then when I was showing like real interest in it, my mum ended up buying me 
Pinnacle, which was like a, a, a it was an okay editing software, but it wasn't too expensive. Now a lot of you can normally get like iMovie for free. I used iMovie a lot when I was a kid when my mum bought our first Mac. So mm-hmm. um, now there's the advantage that you can use your phone for a lot of stuff and you can get iMovie for free. So I used to work for the University of Newcastle um, while I was doing my honours and I would go out to um, rural towns, like just towns in the middle of nowhere, and um, kind of teach the kids. Because, like, when you're in a rural town, like, they're kind of – their main prospects are I'm going to be a farmer Mm. or I'm going to work at a local shop Mm -hmm. or, you know – we wanted to go, hey, I know you don't have access to a lot of stuff, but you've got a phone, you've got something you can tilt your phone onto and you can download this free software and you can make whatever you want. Mm. So we'd go around and we'd be at a school for like two or three days and we'd do a short course and like this is how you make a storyboard, this is how you shoot a video with your phone, this is how you edit with your phone and this is where you can upload it so people can see it. And so you can do the same thing like, you know, we're on the Central Coast, you've got your phone, yeah. The world's your oyster, yes. isn't it? So you're a local girl mm-hmm. and you live locally mm-hmm. and you do a lot of other things. You Twitch. Yeah, I stream on Twitch. You yep. do stream on Twitch. Can you tell me about that? Uh, well, I've had a break for a little bit, but so basically I play games and I have subscribers and followers and they pay like $5 a month to watch me. Normally play horror games and I get really scared and I scream and yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's a horror? As in, okay, take me back. So are we where is it on a PC? You yes, playing on a PC? Yeah. So and what kind of horror games? All sorts of kinds. Um, one that I was playing. Um, it was like this game where like there's a mutant that's among all of you and um, at certain times and so they have to drink blood. Mm-hmm. until they can transform and then they'll transform and then they go after you. So you'd be like looking for things to get out. So like because ev- ev- every room would unlock. So you're like walking around like, oh, wow, this is a bit spooky, but it's okay. And then they transform and get you and it's terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> okay. And you even turn the most, like you build a computer recently and you live stream that and Twitch that and yeah. just doing something like because not everyone builds a computer, but yeah. you do. You build computers. Yeah. Um, you're a fascinating person, Kieran Christie. <laughs> <laughs> so where is your favourite place? What do you do on your downtime? That? On my downtime? Um, so, yeah, I stream sometimes. I have a lot of animals at home so and a lot of them are rescues. So I spend a lot of time, like, kind of making them learn how to be a animal like how to dog and how to cat that sounds really weird I think you spend more time making them training them to be human like (laughs) and high-fiving and well I know I think um the one thing like with my like so my dog Ted he he was the saddest puppy and he didn't like to play and he didn't like to do anything like because he had such a bad life you kind of remind him like hey Toys are fun. You could play with a toy and you can share the toy. Like, it's that type of thing. Like, because you have to remember he was dumped at a pound. He spent a lot of his time at a pound. So he didn't really see grass. He didn't see the sun. He didn't see – he didn't have toys. He didn't have treats. He didn't get to go for walks. So it's kind of like 
helping him overcome his fears of those types of things and enjoying being a dog like yeah so as a um pet lover where would you recommend you take your pets on the central coast um so i take ted to swim at budgiewee beach like down budgiewee um and then i also used to when he was a pup i used to take him to catho to help him learn how to swim Mm -hmm. and then there's fire trails at the back of warnervale and um the walking track down by warnies and we're there most weekends yeah right okay well thank you Kieran. no worries thanks for having me it's been wonderful (laughs) (laughs) not so scary this (laughs) this podcast was hosted by me carly eldridge produced and starred Kieran christie brought to you by heritage media bye for now heritage media